Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Good morning. How are you guys? Here, Melvin's going to help me here. Just to, we'll put that right in front there. That's good. How's everybody doing? Good? So good to be here this morning. It's, uh, uh, I, I want to thank you as well for coming and being a part of celebrating my mother's life. It was a special, special time. And, and uh, yeah, thank you. It, it, this is what family and church is, is about. You know, being together and walking with one another and in those times. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you guys uh, have done for us. It's just a huge blessing. Uh, we are kicking off a new series. We just came out of uh, starting the new year uh, series around holiness. And now we are, are going into a series going into Easter called Who's Eating Your Fruit? Um, I have some beautiful fruit trees. We have the, the new... Uh, <laughs> what? The new banana apple tree that's been uh, uh, grown and, and genetically uh, put together recently. It's wonderful. Um, it, so uh, we'll get to that and what it's about. But um, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about what, uh, what God has for us and what he wants to speak to us this next season. Our scripture reading today is uh, out of John 15. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know where my Bible is. It was there and then it was here. And so we're going to read it from here this morning. How you doing, Seth? It's good to see you. Thanks for everything that you do. He does a lot around here. It's a huge blessing. He deals with all the, all the things that I mess up. He, he gets to clean up. Like we're in the middle of, of worship and I'll go back there and go, hey, Seth, what about this and that? And he's like, uh, you know, I'm trying to run this thing here. I'm sorry, you're wonderful. But uh, it, when you see him, please, you know, give him a, a thank you because he is an integral part of this church. So thank you, Seth, for all that you do. Appreciate you. Uh, John 15, 16, it says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time this morning. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are in this place that, Lord, as, as we we're led in this, this precious time of worship, that your spirit um, just... You can feel your presence, Father God. And I pray right now, God, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see, Father God, that you'd stir up the souls of our heart, that we might receive your word, that we might be a light in the midst of darkness. Father, I thank you for the men and women who are here. Lord, bless our time. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. This scripture in John 15, you've, you've read and heard many times, but, but why? why? Why did Jesus write this? And, and when you look at it and you just dissect it, it's really about others. The reason that he says this is about others, people. Second Peter 3, uh, 9 says it this way. Jesus, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, not wishing that anyone should perish. The God up there. Now, when you, you look at the context of anyone, think of that person. You know who I'm talking about. God doesn't want that person 
even to perish. That none should perish. The heart of God is that every creation that he has brought to this earth should know him and worship him into and through eternity. So why did Jesus say that? Because he doesn't want anybody to perish. And Jesus is very specific in this short passage. He's specific in everything that he says. But in this passage where he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and pointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is what he says. And his specificity is, is this. You did not choose me. I chose you. Now, he, he just sets the table right there and goes, well, hold on, people. I chose you, the creator of heaven and earth. And then he says this, and, and we like to, you know, we'll debate that first part, but we like to kind of throw this other part out. And he says, and I appointed you. I chose you. In fact, Psalm 139 says this. I knew you in your mother's room. Before you were even created, as I was putting you together, I was knitting you together, I, was, I, I knew you and I had purposes for you. Each step laid out before you, before one of them came to pass. That's how intimately God knows us. And he says, not only do I know you, not only did I create you, not only did I choose you, but I appointed you. Church, this is where too many times church stops. You know why he appointed us? Not to be the pastor of Pacific Point Church, although that's why he's appointed me. One of the reasons. To be the hands and feet of Jesus. So that you might go and bear fruit. But not just fruit, but fruit that lasts. That this, this thing called, you know, this relationship with the creator of heaven and earth actually has an outpouring, a purpose in our lives. It's not just randomness. It's not just so you can be fulfilled. It's not just so you can read, uh, you know, rub, rub the genie bottle and get what you want in the right house, in the right car, in the right girlfriend, the right boyfriend, the right amount of whatever you want. That's not it. It's that you might bring hope to others. That you might bring light to others. Jesus is very specific. I chose you, John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on that last day. You did not choose me. God is the one who ultimately is in control of all that happens. And God chooses with purpose. Now, least you think I'm going to talk about Calvinism and Arminianism this morning, I'm not. And, and, I, and I, I want you to know that uh, uh, in this context, hey, Seth, is this thing? <laughs> See, again, he saves me. Um, Jesus, you know, he, he appoints us. He appoints you for what? So that you might go and bear this fruit that we're talking about. But the context of John 15 isn't one about the, 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 the Arminius, Calvinist argument. It's not like, you know, did, do we have free will? Don't we have free will? That's, that's not the context of what this scripture is talking about right here. What the context is that he already knows who is chosen, okay? But it's that, that you're called to go do something. And I don't want to get into that thing of, uh, you know, you know that, that one. I want to get into whether you believe that God chose you and you had nothing to do with it, or whether you believe that Arminius believes that you can lose your salvation. I, that's not what I'm here to talk about today. You, I, I, ask me what I am? Yes. This is about the fact that I've, I, I see hundreds and thousands of believers in Christ that just sit on there every week. And, 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 and they don't impact the places that they live, the places where they work, the people that they're with every single day. 
See, in terms of those debates, that's not what Jesus is worried about here. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is a vine dresser. In other words, it's God the Father and I who, who deal with you and I specifically. But, but it's, it, it's, I've called you to something. God intends us that we would, if you read the context of all of John 15, is to abide in Christ Jesus. And when his word abides in us, it, 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 it comes out of us. Our thoughts, our desires, our actions, everything that we are aligns with the will of God. I know a lot of people that, that are hardcore, you know, Calvinists. I didn't even mean to go here. That, that their thoughts and their desires and their actions aren't for Jesus. And I know a heck of a lot of Arminiists, those who believe you, that their thoughts and their actions and their desires aren't for Jesus. Whether it is one or the other, regardless, here's what I know. That our hearts, our desires, our actions, and our thoughts should be for Jesus. Why? That others might eat the fruit of Jesus off your life. That others might eat the fruit of Jesus off your life. A couple questions that I have for you. Two questions here. Who's eating? When we say, you know, who's eating the fruit? Who's eating the fruit. Who is that around you? Who is eating? Your husband, your wife, coach on your team, the church that you're preaching at, your hockey dads, your, 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 the, the, the cashier at Arco, the fans in the stands, the kids, rich people, poor people, white people, black people, yellow people, green people, I, it, 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 Howard Stern, Mexican kids, white kids, childhood friends working in the airport. They're all eating food. They're all eating something. And so on. There's more. Who is eating? Every single one of them. We're constantly eating fruit off of people's lives. Where are they eating it? Where are people eating the fruit off your lives? I don't know, I ran out of room on this one. It's your office. People in your office are eating fruit. People in the airplane. I, and and I, I, I preach this, and, and, but I, I'm not really good at it. Because I've had a couple scuffles on the airplane. And my, my thought was, <laughs> during COVID, it was not good for me. My thought was, well, they don't know I'm a pastor. Isn't it? Look, don't judge all you judgers out there. Totally wrong. She reminds me all the time. All the time. Regularly? Once in a while. Let's go with that. That feels better. She reminds me, do you not remember who you work for? <laughs> These people are eating fruit and it's, it's spoiled. At the coffee shop, 7-Eleven, the doctor's office, the dentist's office, the parking lot, airplanes, back bay walks, bars, homeless shelters, dog parks, lakes, oceans, restaurants, neighbors, schools, churches. Where are people eating in every one of those places? Every one of those places. L let me tell you what the scripture says. Where, where are they eating? Wherever you go. Wherever you step, someone's watching. Now, my, 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 my thought process and everything, oh, where am I going to step? Who's watching me? No, 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 no. It's, it's when, when, I'm, when I abide in Christ, it just naturally 
comes forth. Here's the next question. What are they eating? What, what are people eating off of your life? Because like it or not, people are always eating off of your life. Whether you want them to or not, some of you may call it judging. Some of you may call it self-righteousness. But whether you like it or not, all these people and all these places that we sit are, are, are grabbing a piece of fruit off of you. People are eating. We see it in Colossians 4, 6. It says this, let your speech always be gracious and sealed with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each per person. People are eating the fruit of your words that you speak every single day. People are eating the fruit of your actions. Matthew 5, 16, the same way. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. People are eating off your actions, what you do each and every day. People are reading your letter that is being written as we speak. 2 Corinthians 3, 2. You yourselves are a letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by just Jesus. To be known and read by all. There's no, like, caveats here. Just read by your wife or read by your friend or read by... No, no, no. All are reading the letter that you are having written on. There's three trees that we see. I don't know if I can preach through this or whatever. There are three. Those are, those are rough, I know. Uh, but there's, for example, and I work alone, so leave me alone. Uh, there's three trees. There's a tree that is, has fresh fruit. It's good. It's, it's just crisp. It's just sweet. There's a tree that produces bitter fruit, bruised fruit. Hope I couldn't find the bruised fruit. Usually, like I, I've got all these kids and they're all leaving my house. I usually have food for days and there's usually rotten bananas and stuff, so I couldn't find any, so I just, I, I make up these, okay. But they're bruised fruit. And then, and then the last one is, is the tree is the, the, the nothing. There's absolutely nothing on that tree. Let's look at it. What are people eating off of your tree? Where do you sit? Now, now as I always say or often say is, is that, that when you come here on Sunday, that, that you look in the mirror. That don't just look at your wife or husband and say, he's talking about you. Just, you know, assess your own life. Look in the mirror and think, okay, is this applied to me? But even deeper than that, as you, as you pray, you go, Holy Spirit, is he speaking to me? And then identify what it is. And let the Holy Spirit do what he might do. Look, if there's a, I'm preaching out of conviction in my own life. I'm preaching to myself. I'm trying to preach myself happy here today. Because I am, I am an offender just as many as you are. What are people eating off your life? Three trees. Barren, bad fruit, and good fruit. Let's look at them. The barren fruit. There are two key scriptures when talking about barren fruit. Two key scriptures. Mark 11 uh, says this, 12 through 13. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, 
he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. And he came to it, and he found nothing but leaves. This one doesn't have leaves. For it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one eat fruit from you again. There's no fruit on it. Jesus sees it. They were hungry. And he says to it, may no one eat fruit from you again. The tree that produces nothing. The, the, the barren tree is symbolic. It's symbolic. It's a metaphor for, for Israel and their, their spiritual deadness. When you look at the tree that isn't producing any fruit, what it looks like in the Christian faith, it's a man or woman that says, yeah, Jesus, yeah, that, I, Jesus, I believe, you know, but, but there's so much religion in them and there's sin that is going on that you really, if you put them in the crowd with everybody else, you really wouldn't look at them and go, hey, that's a Christian. There's not a lot of fruit. It, 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 if we walked into your office or we walked into your, your, where your kids are playing sports, would there be enough fruit to convict you? Or is this is barrenness, spiritual barrenness because of sin? Revelation 3, 16 says this. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Whoa. It's this. Those who are spiritually hot and engaged in their faith, fresh fruit, really good fruit, okay? That's good. Those who are cold, their fruit is, is a little, you know, bruised and battered here. Those two, uh, the, the one who's cold has the opportunity to influence in the power of the gospel in a, in a way. There's, there's, there's strength, you know, there's, there's purpose, and, and maybe, just maybe, they'll grab a hold of that fire. The hot one's just going. The, the sweet fruit is great, and, and the guy with the bad fruit... But he has hope. But the barren one, the barren tree, those who are lukewarm are actually in a worse condition, Jesus says, than those who are cold. They know just enough about Jesus so that they're not, that they're, they're, they're not resistant, but they're also somewhat callous to his voice and what he's saying. There's no fruit in their life because there's sin that's blocking that Holy Spirit to speak to them that they might be different in some way, shape, or form. From Jesus' perspective, it's actually better to be spiritually cold since it means you're more likely to notice the calling of God. See, the, the, the barren just hardened to whatever God's doing. I got my ticket to heaven. But you never know who they were. The tree that produces bad fruit. A tree that produces bad fruit. Matthew 7, 18. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. A diseased tree. I, I, th this one is, is, is the one that, that, that throws me in the natural. Because I hate, I hate, absolutely hate, I hate soft bananas. <laughs> Do you know that just that when you get them and they're squishy or, or, or an apple that, that is, is bruised and, and it's just, you're like, oh my gosh, it's, it's not crisp and hard and it's just the bad fruit. It's, it's running into that, that, that Christian who, it's not a trash, but we'll use it today. It's, I'm sorry, it's one of your fine little things. 
it's, it's, it's running into that one that says they're a Christian, the one that, that proclaims or maybe comes to church twice a month, that one you run into, and, and, and you see him somewhere, and the, the compromise, it's this. It's a couple years back, we had, we had a small group, and, and we were, we were uh, talking, and someone was in the small group, and, and they came up to me and said, hey, so-and-so, is uh, uh, they go to our church, but are they really... Uh, do they really, what's, what's their deal? And I'm like, uh, you know, they're, they're, they know Jesus, they're good. And he's like, well, because as I was pulling out the other day, I kind of cut them off and they flipped me off. <laughs> and I said, my wife usually doesn't do that. <laughs> it's too easy. It was a softball. <laughs> the, the bad fruit is, is one who says, you know, has made that decision for Jesus, but, but there's just something spoiled there. There's an arrogance. There's, there's something about them. There's anger that's in their heart. There's unforgiveness or lying or bitterness or, or dissension or, or envy or selfishness. And, and, and you see that person, you go, gosh, if they just grab a hold of Jesus, if they would just allow the word to wash over, if they would just, it just doesn't taste right. A soft banana is not a good banana. A mushy apple doesn't taste right. You may get some nourishment out of it, but it just doesn't taste right. And we have a church full of Christians who just don't taste right. And there's so many times in my own life that I know that I just don't taste right. But everybody's eating. Regardless of whether I'm in a good mood, bad mood, angry, whatever, unforgiveness, people are still eating. They're still pulling fruit from me, from you. And, and all of a sudden, it puts everything in perspective. You go, dear Jesus, this, see this word that washes over, and, 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 and when I dive into it, it, it renews, and it settles, and it, 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 it produces sweetness. But too many of us as Christians, we're just happy with the ticket to heaven, whatever that means. No one wants to eat the fruit off your life. And in fact, there are times that they've said, that's a Christian? If that's what it tastes like to be a Christian, you can have it. When I was playing professionally, I, was, I knew Jesus, but it was a struggle. I just, ah, trying to be a Christian and, and, and trying to play this sport and, and, and uh, you know, I played with one Christian in a 10-year pro career. One guy. That's it. It was, you know, so trying to, so, and I, I tell this story because of God's redeem, uh, he is redemptive. And uh, I had this one guy, Clark Donatelli, greatest guy from Boston, huge accent. And so we called him Stubby because he's about this tall and about this wide. And, and he was crazy, crazy, crazy. And I'm telling you, and I, you know, I try to. I'm a believer and put the verse in the back of my helmet and all the things, you know, that, that you Christian athletes do. And, and, uh, but this guy, somehow, he would catch me every time. I just, he'd be the guy that would catch me having maybe too much to drink. He'd be the guy that would catch me when I was with someone that I shouldn't have been with. He'd be the guy and over and over again. And, and Stumpy, he didn't keep his mouth quiet. He'd come in the locker room and he'd say, oh, you guys should hear what the preacher did today. It's like, ah, oh. and, and just eating some bad fruit. Now, I tell that in a redemptive way because uh, 
three months ago, and I kept in contact with him. He had, uh, he had uh, cancer, and I preached the gospel to him and, and, and told him, and, and we had talked. He knew that things had changed a little bit from those days, and, uh, and, and I was able to, to preach the gospel to him and, and receive and pray with him, and, and even though, was, uh, you know, you, you may go through seasons or maybe, maybe your life right now is they're eating all the bad fruit, all this, God is good and he can redeem and, 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 and he can, he can uh, this bad fruit can fall to the ground and, and when we, we plug in, as it says in, in John 15, to the vine and the branches and we allow the Holy Spirit and God the Father and Jesus come in and, 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 and nourish and, and prune and do what he does, what happens is you'll start to see this good fruit come. The beauty of seasons that God gives us. Look, thank God that there are seasons. I thank God that there's summer, winter, easy for you to say, spring, summer, winter, and fall. <laughs> Dear Lord. There's seasons. I want to stay in fruitful seasons. I don't want to stay in this, this anger season or this unforgiveness season or this envy or selfish season because, because it doesn't just affect me, it affects those around me. And they start eating bad fruit. And then here's what happens. When you start eating bad fruit, there was a store that I went to that, that regularly had some fruit that was less than stellar. And I'm like, I'm not going to that store anymore. You stop eating the fruit off someone's life. You stay away from them. It's bitter. It's sour. It's rotten. It's mushy and soft. That's what the bitter fruit tastes like. But then we get the tree that produces good fruit. The tree with the good fruit, we know it's good because it has the stickers on it from store. And I just think that it's the metaphor that God has a stamp on us. That you and I are new creations in Christ. The old has passed away and the mushy and the ugh, falls to the ground and God does something. See, the good fruit, Galatians 5, through 23 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, whoa, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All these things that are going forth from me, that's the good fruit that goes forth from us. It's love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness. It's all these things that, it's, that are going forth from us each and every day, and it happens in everywhere we, we, we go. It happens in my office Maryland, it happens with us when I, well, with you, I, when I go with Maryland to lunch and we go to, uh, 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 what's the name of the, uh, El Pollo Loco. She loves El Pollo Loco. She's a staple there. So we go to El Pollo Loco and, and, and Marilyn has introduced me to the girl that she sees every week and that she prays for and that she talks to. And, and, and this woman is just, she's just plucking, there you go, just... <laughs> This woman is plucking fruit off of her life and she wants to hear and she's just, she's just eating it. And it's so good. It's a good banana. It's sweet. And this woman is eating the fruit off of your life because of Jesus. And there are men and women walking around. I just 
as you know, did my mom's funeral, and I, I've never seen anybody produce a fruit of love and joy and peace like this woman. And, and, and I, story after story after story of, of how she would, would love people well, and, and her life was just this sweet fruit that people would eat off of. That's what Jesus is talking about. Each of us are producing something. Each of us have seasons, and I, I, I don't like this season. I, I want to walk in this season where it's easy for people to just pick the fruit off my life and that, you know that sound? So you know it's a good apple when it does this. I don't want to eat that. It's crunch. It's, it's, it's just, it, it, it just, where is it? It's just crisp. It's firm. It's sweet. It's refreshing to the soul. And, and, and that's what Jesus is getting at. He's saying, hey, church, you're to be my hands and feet. Hey, church, I want people to eat the apples off your life. And they're crisp and they're sweet and they're, they're refreshing and they bring life to you. And then people start to go, wait a second, who's this guy named Jesus? Tell me a little bit more about it as I grab another piece of fruit off of your life. Tell me more about this Jesus that loves me unconditionally. Tell me more about this Jesus that, that you say gives hope in the midst of hopelessness. That gives hope in the midst of, of death. Tell me more about this Jesus who cares about me. Tell me a little bit about more of this Jesus who, who, who doesn't care about Biden or Trump, but cares about justice and mercy and goodness. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying people want to eat your fruit. Oh, nice catch. And they want to eat the fruit off your life. And they want to hear that sound. I hope you don't have dentures. Jesus is very specific with us. There's no ambiguity here, folks. Church, there, there's no, Jesus just, ah, whatever. No, 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 he's very specific. He says, produce good fruit. He says, go. Over and over again, Jesus says, go. Matthew 10, the 12, he says, he sent them out and instructed them. Luke 10, this is what the Lord appointed, 72 and others, and sent them ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. Matthew 28, he said, come, I give all authority in heaven and earth to you. Go, therefore. Acts 1.8, he says, look, look, the Spirit will come on you, and you'll receive this power, the power of the Holy Spirit, and you'll be my witnesses in all over the place, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, and people will eat the sweetness of my spirit that sits inside of you. That's mind-blowing. Why is Jesus always sending, go, 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 go to feed the hungry? He's not going to let you sit around. He's saying, go, go. Why? Because there's a world out there that's hungry. And they're hungry for truth. They're hungry for righteousness. They're hungry for the Spirit of God. They're hungry for eternity. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son 
that whoever eats the fruit of his life should not perish, but will have eternal life. God says, go, church. God says, go. He says, go. And the reason he says, go, is because he, he wants people to eat the fruit of your life. And that fruit of your life is him and his goodness. The fruit of your life speaks or feeds the spiritual hungry. What are you shaking? What I misspell up there and re reword? Yeah, that's all right. It's four this morning, so don't, don't, don't judge again. The fruit of life feed the, yeah, there, you guys know what I'm talking about. Roll with it. I went to Minnesota, the Harvard of the North, okay? We didn't. Just got, I didn't go to USC, you know, where you can spell and conjugate a verb. I went, to, I went to Minnesota where you can fight and play hockey, okay? John 15, 16. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And then he throws this little curveball in there. I'm like, how's this content? What is this? Lord, why would you throw that in there? He says, and so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. It's one of the most misquoted scriptures uh, by preachers and Christians out there. Whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. That new car, come on down. The Father wants to give you a new car. <laughs> that new husband, he's got a good one for you. Just do this, you know. It's, it's Monty Hall Jesus. It's ridiculous. It's not what he's talking about here. You want to know what he's talking about? He says, and so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. The idea of asking for things in the name of Christ involves speaking on behalf of the greater authority. So when you're asking, you're asking on behalf of the Father. Therefore, it does not mean folk, uh, that, that forcing the authority to do whatever you want and are willing to do. It's this. You take your will and you align it with his. And when you take your will and you align it with his, what you find is you start praying his prayers. You start asking what he wants you to ask for. When you're on your face and you're broken and you're reading the word and the word washes over you and you get outside of yourself and you start thinking about him, when you pray, the prayer changes and the next thing you know, you're praying for your next door neighbor. Will of the Father. Next thing you know, you're going to work. And work looks a little bit different because you're not just dropping F-bombs and stealing pens. People do that? I've never stole a pen, David. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, 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 when you align your will with his, the game changes. But we have a church that's trying to align God's will with ours. And the fruit stinks. When I align my will with his, the fruit is sweet. How do we produce fresh, sweet, crisp fruit in our lives? How do you do it? There's nothing new under the sun. It starts with repentance. We're going to receive communion in a few minutes here. This, this starts with repentance. Oh, God, forgive me. If, if you're right here, oh, God, have mercy. If your fruit is a little sour, there's unforgiveness and bitterness or whatever it might be. Oh, God, forgive me. Have mercy on me. It starts with repentance. It's, it's throwing your hands up and going, God, I am not in control. You are. Oh, God, forgive me for not being your hands and feet. God, forgive me for producing something that no one wants to eat off of. How do we do it? 
God's word, reading each and every day, journaling each and every day, renewing your mind with the washing, renew your mind with the washing, renew your mind with the washing of the word, Romans says. Prayer and conversation with Jesus. It's prayer like this on your knees, and it's prayer like this, just having a conversation with God. It's constant throughout the day. It's constant throughout the day. This conversation, oh God, give me the grace to do this. Oh God, help me with this person. Oh God, help me with that person. Oh God, give me eyes to see. Oh Lord, let me not just walk through this day and not encounter someone that you called me to encounter. It's that conversation with, oh God, help me to protect my eyes. Oh God, help me to, to protect my mouth. Oh God, help me. And, and, and Lord, thank you. Song that we're singing, just Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. It's that conversation that you're having with Jesus. And when I read his word and I pray and have this conversation, fruit starts to come forth. And then when I worship, on top of that, when I read the word of God and I have the conversation with God and I worship God, what happens is as things start to bloom, they start to come off of you. And all of a sudden, you're not flipping off people in your, in your, in your, your, your driveway and, and you're, you're embracing them. How is it you can go from this to that? So How, how is it I can go from this to that so quickly? worship this this worship this morning it it brought us into the presence of the lord into this place where where the spirit of god it can't help but fruit going forth discipleship this this isn't a, a lone ranger deal you don't get to do this thing by yourself there's no such thing as a lone ranger christian it's about it's about relationship it's about the church that God has called you to be a part of. If you're new here and God's calling you to be a part of this, great. But if it's not here, there is somewhere that God has called you to be a part of. And you need to be there and be obedient to where God is calling you. You don't get to choose where you go. God tells you and places you as he sees fit because he needs you strategically. God doesn't need you. He wants to use your gift strategically within that church, wherever it might be. Maybe it's here, maybe it's not. Each and every day. Each and every day. It's watering each day. It's just watering each day. Just a little bit of water. A little bit of sun. A little bit of water. A little bit of sun. A little bit of... All of a sudden it grows. I find myself in God's word and and praying and worshiping and and, and walking with other men that cut on me and disciple and and walk with. and, And all of a sudden... Fruit starts coming forth in my marriage and fruit starts coming forth in my relationships and fruit starts coming forth in my friendships and fruit starts coming forth in where I work and, and all of a sudden it's just, it's, it's popping out everywhere and God goes, you're my hands and feet. And people are just eating. They're eating. And when I do all that, you know what it says? Relationship. It's a relationship with God. It's a relate, talking to God, reading his word, having a conversation, worshiping. That's a relationship. That's what God's called me to. Not a set of things to do. But the creator of heaven and earth to walk with. In relationship with. Word, prayer, worship, others, each and every day. Leads to a relationship with God which produces fruit. It's so good. It's the church.
I say church, know that I'm talking about you. You are the church, not this building. You're the church. So when I say that's the church, I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about just me or PPC. You're the church. You're the church. Now, as Ari, as you guys come up, I want to pray. And, and this is a time that we receive communion. And we've, we've changed the way we've done communion post-COVID. Uh, Prior to COVID, we would do family communion. And we have bread and we have juice. We have stations here and back there and over here in the back corner over there. And uh, we used to have the plastic cups. And we still, do we still have them out there? We, can you grab them real quick and put some? Thank you. Um, if, if for those who are, are not comfortable, and that's completely fine, we have some, the, the, you know, the little, those wafer things that I, they're like paper, those things. Um, otherwise, taking a piece of bread and just dipping it. What I said is the first thing is repentance. If, if any part of this, if God spoke to you, uh, th this is where we start. And this, this time of communion is a, is a place that, that we started with our taking our will and alignment with God's. And just repenting. Oh, God, forgive me. Forgive me for not producing the fruit that you've called me to. I, I don't care what you do work-wise. I don't care if you're a businessman, a mechanic, a, an actor, a... a, 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 a a dad, a, a grandma, whatever. Each one plays a significant role that God wants to use. So as we come into this time and we receive the elements in communion, take your soul, your life, and, and align it with His. Would start with repentance. We talked last week in, in talking to the holiness of God, of, of coming to the communion table with a, a, a holy reverence. It's a time that I align with him. As the Bible says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body that's been broken for you. He says, when you eat it, eat it in remembrance of me. And, and then he took the wine that represented his blood and, and he poured it and said, this, this wine represents the blood that I spilled for you. When you drink it, Drink it in remembrance of me. Allow the, the blood to wash over you. This is a holy moment. As they get ready to sing, again, there's a communion station both sides and, and in the back that come as you will and, and receive. Receive with your family or, or individually. If you have a relationship with Jesus, this is a time intimate time with Father God. Father, let me pray. Father, I thank you for this morning, Father God. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, let us, uh, let us be men and women who produce life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, let the fruit of our lives go forth that others might eat off of it. God, forgive us for our selfishness. All about me. What about me? Oh, God, forgive me. Lord, that I might know you intimately and worship you and people would eat off the fruit of my life and they would see you. 
as we receive these elements, Lord, that we would align our lives with you. Thank you in Jesus' precious name.